on Tuesday, March 14th episode of Locked on Cavs, I am joined by best actor snub Justin Rowan as my co-host Chris Manning is away. And we will talk about the Cavs first game against the Charlotte Hornets. Look ahead to Tuesday's game against Charlotte and also give our thoughts on Wednesday's game against Philadelphia in this latest episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. As I said before at the top, I am Evan Damron. Before I introduce our guest one more time, today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Currently, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when registering. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store to download the free Ibotta app. Again, key phrase and code there is LOCKED. But again, as I mentioned, the top folks, I am joined by the Chase Downs, Justin Rowan. Justin, it feels like it's been a while since we talked. How are you? Yeah, it's been ages. Um, I, I can't even recall the last time that you and I had conversations, agreements, anything like that. So, you know, know. It, it's good to see you, buddy. I forgot what your face and voice both sounded and looked like in no particular order. So this is, and, this is and refreshing both are worse than you remembered. <laughs> I still remember a Chase Down listener once called you a strung out Tony Stark, and I don't think you're there. But in the general scheme of things, hopefully the Cavs aren't stringing you out too much this season. No, no not not too much. It's, it's been a really enjoyable season, but I've actually caught myself being more kind of emotionally invested than I have been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a team that I, I've really connected with. And uh, the the ebbs and flows, the, the highs and lows uh, of an NBA season are taking their toll on me for sure. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm grateful for it. I mean, it's... This is what you want. You want to care. And it's funny you mentioned emotional attachment because folks were joking. I was on the chase down on Saturday to talk about the lead up to this Hornets game that the Cavs played on Sunday. Um, I'm thinking like the last time I was emotionally attached to a team ever since you said that. I think it was the first like post LeBron or Cavs squad where it's like Semir Dan, Ryan Holland, Samardo Samuels, Alonzo G. Like it's it's a grim motley crew there, but. I I was firmly believing in like the Slim Sombardo and like the weight loss and things like that. Like he's I'm like, yeah, him, Luke Heron, Goaty, like the Cavs have a bunch of players here. And boy, they guys, and, and they started they off so well. And, and then they started off well in, in LeBron's return game. And then just everything started to turn within that game. Virgil got hurt oh, and yeah. everything went sideways. Oh, it absolutely did. And speaking of big men getting hurt, this is a good segue. Thank you for setting me up. The Cavs played without Jared Allen. I think you and I were kind of speculating and maybe wondering what the severity was. So it's good to note that it doesn't seem too serious with no structural damage, but he didn't play against Charlotte on Sunday. He's ruled out Tuesday as in today's game against Charlotte as well because of his just recovery and process. Justin, first off, do you think how do you think the Cavs looked without Jared Allen out there versus like Evan Mobley playing the five and then you have Lamar Stevens sliding into the starting four? I think it looked good when Evan Mobley was out there, but you open yourself up to vulnerabilities, right? Like uh, you get a couple calls that don't necessarily go your way and all of a sudden Mobley's in foul trouble and you got to mm-hmm. put Robin Lopez out there or you're you're really kind of leaning on extended Lamar Stevens minutes, right? Like it just shows the vulnerabilities of this team and 
I, I was curious uh, whether Diakite was going to see some time in that game. I know the charge had played the night before, uh, so maybe that, that that was a bit of a factor. But I liked his minutes uh, when Jared Allen missed time earlier on. Uh, mm-hmm. There was the game against Philadelphia that the Cavs won, I believe, uh, as well as the game in Detroit uh, where he really stepped up. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't actually hate to, to see them go to him uh, today against the Hornets. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think if Robin Lopez doesn't have to play too, too much and Mobley's mm-hmm. not in foul trouble and they just take care of business, they hit their layups and, and their free throws, you're not going to need to play guys as many minutes against the Charlotte Hornets. So there, there was a lot of things outside of the Jared Allen absence, but you look at the season-long numbers, on-off differential. It's Darius Garland and Jared Allen that move the needle more than anyone else, and I, I think it was an important reminder to people just how important Allen's impact is. I, I think, like you said, in, impact is understated more than anything with Jared Allen. Like, the Cavs just look a little different defensively. I'm not saying that's any disrespect to Evan Mobley, but it, it just... Allen is that defensive anchor on the interior and it allows Mobley to just do his jack of all trades, master of plenty in terms of things on defense, whether it's defending in isolation on the perimeter, helping Allen in the paint, acting as a help defender, just doing all those little, like little things you don't appreciate unless you watch these, this team on a night to night basis like you do. But like you said, it was a bit of an adjustment. I think Evan Mobley kind of being cool and calm about it when asked about Joe G post game, like, is there any adjustment? He's like, no, not really. It's just maybe more so I'm involved in more actions offensively because the Cavs predicate a lot of their offense on the pick and roll. But I think he performed well. I mean, at least for me, it's an encouraging sign of growth because when you saw Allen was out for a little bit at the beginning of the season or like even times last year, Mobley was just thrown in, not thrown in, but put in at the starting five. And then you asked, him just to kind of shoulder a lot of his usual responsibilities on top of maybe emulating a little bit of what Jared Allen provides you. And there were times, whether it was the beginning of this year, or especially last year, like he looked a little overwhelmed being asked to do too much. And maybe having a defensive grinder like Lamar Stevens next to him helps a little bit too. But Mobley looked a lot more comfortable out there. And as you said, like whenever he wasn't in foul trouble and it unders doesn't this game really crystallizes the impact uh, Jared Allen has on this team. But I think more than anything, like Mobley is just so freaking impressive. Once again, when he wasn't dealing with foul issues and I mean, hats off to Charlotte. They know like he is their arguably their best defender period on this roster and trying to get him in foul trouble is the best way to try and grind yourself way out to a win. But I, I was at least encouraged in this one. And I think there's a lot of just small mistakes you can clean up as you shift focus to Tuesday's game against the Hornets. Yeah, I agree. And the the thing specifically that I really liked about Mobley in this game was he didn't let the absence of calls at the start of game uh, for him offensively deter him from maintaining mm-hmm. aggression, right? Because I think there were multiple times where he was trying to initiate contact and wasn't getting the calls. And that's something that can be frustrating, right? Especially if you feel there's a discrepancy in what you're being called for on the other end. But I think there were times last year more so than this year, but still at times this year where if it's not going for him and there's the contact and it's not being rewarded, he would Mm -hmm. kind of wilt in those situations. But for him to kind of maintain that assertiveness and and come back in and not be afraid Mm -hmm. to even pick up an offensive foul, right? Like that's part of the equation as well. That was really encouraging to me. And you, you look at single game plus minus, which is a bad stat, but sometimes it's telling, right? Like, yeah, they outscored Charlotte by 15 points with Mobley on the court. I, I think that's pretty much the whole story. It was, well, it was that, and then it was Darius Garland, who they outscored Charlotte by 22 points when he was on the court. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, Darius was huge in this game as well. And I, we can touch more on it in the second segment, but I think there was, it was clear there was a little bit of rust just missing that game against Miami. And it took him a little bit just to get right. He had a bit of an injury scare with the hand issue as well, just during the game too. And like, it, it wasn't flawless. I think it was an ugly game. And the Cavs are again, showing that they're very comfortable playing ugly basketball to win games. But yeah, Darius and Mobley were the straw that stirred the drink in this game. And I mean, Donovan Mitchell was great as well. So Again, you you handle your business against a bad team. You and I talked about this on the Chase Down quite a bit, but like the the, the Hornets have other ambitions in the the remainder of the season. It's not the playoffs, so the Cavs just taking care of business against this team is certainly helpful. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And Mitchell, I, I thought started really strong, finished strong, and the whole in between was not great for him. They, there was yeah. a couple fast breaking layups that, that kind of got him going, and then. He had some really big shots when they needed in the clutch. And, uh, you know, it's it's Charlotte. You can take it with it as much salt as you want. But getting oh, yeah. kind of a, an overtime or not an overtime, but, you know, a, a clutch time win on the road, something that the Cavs haven't done a lot of. And no. they've done that now twice on this road trip where where they, they win two games in those situations. So uh, we've seen them lose to teams that they should lose against to playing down to their competition and this very well could have been another one of those games, but mm-hmm. they really cranked it up in the fourth quarter and they showed why they're the team with the best fourth quarter net rating in the league. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk more about just why maybe Justin and I feel comfortable with the Cavs heading into the second game against the Hornets. Also, just maybe some small tweaks and adjustments. Uh, I know Justin did a little bit of um, deep diving on film for his own show, but we can maybe touch a little bit on the defensive aspect of it. But first, got to give a quick word from today's sponsor, Ibotta. Folks, we're always throwing away money at something, kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on and on. It's time to spot, stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. And this is where Ibotta comes into play. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you the cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. On average, an Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you can go use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you deserve. A typical basket of groceries was about $50 or more expensive at the end of 2022. And at the beginning of the year, due to inflation and everything economic that goes into it, it costs a whole lot more. And now you can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta itself. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps just give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you can get real cash back that can go right into your bank account through PayPal or even the gift cards like Amazon. And speaking of gift cards, you can also get gift cards to Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, Amazon, like I said, and so much more. Currently, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta and using code LOCKED when registering. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta, in the Google Play or App Store, and use promo code LOCKED. All right, we are back with Locked on Cavs and my guest, the Chase Downs, Justin Rowan. And for me, Justin, when looking at this game, there's a lot of encouraging signs, like you said. The fact that midway into the first, Cleveland was down 27 to 15, you're like, oh, brother. The uh, the South Beach flu is still playing in this roster. Uh, the road trip woes are hurting them. A bad team is taking advantage of the Cavs uh, coming out a little, little unsteady. And then they found a way to gut it out and win this game. Like that's encouraging of itself. But for me, you this is the obvious no duh solution here. But you want to avoid 
avoid maybe getting yourself in that hole just because you do have a game against Philadelphia looming the night after back at home in Cleveland. So you have to travel back for it. So you want to try and take a care of business early so you can rest your key guys, whether it's Mobley, Garland, um, even Mitchell as well, because Allen won't be playing tomorrow night or sorry, Tuesday night against Charlotte. And you just take care of business there so that you don't have to be scrambling or maybe playing with tired legs when you have to handle a Sixer squad that I believe is coming off rest. Yeah, uh, Philly's going to have two days rest coming in. Uh, the Cavs just played that last game against Charlotte was the last time this year where the Cavs will have a rest advantage against the team. And uh, this game against Philadelphia is the last time they're going to have a rest disadvantage. Uh, they're, they're going to have at least one day off uh, for before every game from here on out. Mm-hmm. And not only is the game against Philadelphia important and you want to play well against Charlotte for that, getting a win here against Charlotte is really important when you're looking at just how many games are left of the regular season. And mm-hmm. the math is starting to get very, very difficult for either Brooklyn or New York to cl- catch the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yeah. Another win just makes it more and more uh, difficult for them. And getting that one in your back pocket needs to be a priority. Obviously, we're going to look at Philadelphia. And I, I th- I'm pretty comfortable saying if the Cavs don't win against the Sixers, the hopes of the three seed are basically dead. Like, it's the same situation as with the Knicks and Nets. Like, the math is just mm-hmm. getting very hard. But banking that win against the Hornets, I, I think it would be very, very significant. And obviously, if you can take care of business early on, maybe that means you can l- take a look at some other players that you're hoping yeah. to maybe get into the rotation. Maybe that means uh, an opportunity for Dean Wade to play. Maybe you give a, a Sam Merrill look or whatever the case may be. But if you're kind of messing around and making things more difficult than it needs to be for yourself, you're you can be stuck in a situation where you might like lose this game and the next game as a result of it right yeah um and to your point uh keith smith of spotrack did report that um sam merrill is now on the open market like the Cavs let his tend to expire so no i'm i'm surprised I guess he's yeah. not playing thank you <laughs> i guess he's not playing so i had to look it up because i i tweeted before we like why when we started recording like technically speaking sam merrill's contract expires today and there's been no news whatsoever as of when we're recording this so spoilers are recording on monday but regardless the to your point like i was surprised dean wade didn't get any burn in this game like i understand the logistics behind going to robin lopez when evan mobley gets into foul trouble you're trying to win games and i know it's just it's it's such a hard balancing act for jb Bickerstaff to find minutes and opportunities to get guys right and in the flow of things again but yeah this could be an opportunity to do that if you just kind of take care of business against the Hornets now. So you're not letting them kind of fight and scrap of you for the first three ish quarters. And then eventually you pull away in the fourth a little bit there. So I agree with you. Like it's, it's interesting. I, I think, I think a lot about our conversation about how maybe this is, Hey, we give more minutes to Karis liver to see if this works more functionally with like Donovan and Darius and certain lineups and rotations, rather than maybe trying to force Ricky Rubio to get hit right out there too, when you might have something cookie with Karis Levert because Levert's been playing pretty well uh, since the turn of the calendar in March. Like he's been pretty solid for him. And as my co-host pointed out on during Sunday's game, like he stepped up a lot and done a lot of what the Cavs have asked him to do and then some. And that's pretty refreshing when you have a guy who is in a contract here and maybe could be looking out for his best interest, but rather would help the team win. And 
to your point, like in the first segment, like maybe this is an opportunity because Diakite is technically available. Maybe you turn to Diakite and say like, hey, uh, Mamadi, we need you to play some just high energy five, 10 minutes just because we don't want to have Robin Lopez be overtaxed like the Cavs did to Ed Davis at points last season. But I just think, again, like this is the just the no die answer. Like if the Cavs take care of business early in this one and then maybe find opportunities to get like Karis LeVert a little bit more reps. Maybe you get Danny Green some more reps, too, just so you can see how he's doing physically at this point in the season, too, just because you're gearing up for the playoffs at this point and just figure out the next steps from there. So, yeah, I mean, you just kind of just work forward from there and see what you have. Um, I wonder if maybe not bringing Sam Merrill back on another 10 day means Cleveland is like, OK, maybe we should address the big man concern. And that's something worth watching going forward, of course. But for now, like the Cavs big man rotation is Evan Mobley, Robin Lopez, because he just played last game. Then you have Dean Wade up as in Mamadidi Akite in there as well. So got to kind of have to work with what you have. And maybe you try and see if you can squeeze a little bit of juice out of somebody who could step up while Allen's out. Yeah, completely. And uh, Sam Merrill is eligible to get a second 10 day as well. So who knows? Maybe you see sometimes teams get creative with that. Um, but I, I think you pointing out the impact of both Ricky Rubio and Karis LeVert is really important, right? Like that's what you want to see down the stretch is can some of the, the supporting cast get going, right? Can they find a groove? And I think both Ricky and Karis having a good game within the same game is an encouraging sign as well, right? Because one of the things you and I talked about uh, when you were on the chase down was mm -hmm. does Ricky need to play less to get Karis more ball handling reps so that he can be a little more productive because he seems to do better when, when one guard is out. And for him to have a, a good game with all the guards healthy, I think is mm -hmm. encouraging, right? Like it's, it kind of just goes to show, hey, you just got to be a little bit more aggressive. And uh, I thought uh, you and Chris did a great job on, on the last episode uh, discussing kind of the sacrifices that he's made and whatnot. And you can tell, right? Like the, the fact that he's been healthy all year, right? Like he's obviously yeah. put a lot of work into his body. Uh, the, the way that he's contributed in all those other areas, what... What you want to see is just for the scoring to get to the averages that it was at for his entire career, right? Like it's the, the mid-range shooting being so much worse than his career averages and some of the finishing, like that sh just shouldn't be the case. I understand that the Cavs um, operate in a bit of a phone booth uh, a lot of the times in, in terms of yeah. spacing. And um, the only people that do well in a phone booth apparently is Superman, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell. Um, but outside of that, like you would, you'd like to see Karis get like a little more assertive and take the shots when they're there because he is one of their easiest paths to increasing their offensive ceiling. When, when he's clicking, it makes things a whole lot easier. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like it, it is tricky because Karis has done a lot to adapt his game to just the flow of how the Cavs function. I think the fit was always a lot more clear when Colin Sex said Ricky Rubio were down last year. And you're like, okay, Karis, we need you just to handle some of the pressure that Darius Garland faces defensively and help Darius just get cleaner looks on offense. And this year, you go for the thermonuclear option in Donovan Mitchell. And like the, the fit between him and Garland has been seamless. And Rubio is coming along, but he looks good at times. But to your point, to Chris's point, to the chase down and locked on Cavs point, like Lavert hasn't complained about his role. He hasn't been a guy who rocks the boat at all whatsoever about this. And I think giving him a longer, I mean, he has a plenty long of a leash. He averages probably the fifth most minutes out of just any of the players on Cleveland's roster, fifth or sixth. And he is penciled in as Cleveland's six man. I'd say penned in as Cleveland's six man at this point. And yeah, it's just super encouraging to see him adapt to these roles again while in a contract year. 
And maybe it's the added luxury of knowing, like, hey, maybe Cleveland really does want to keep me around and I want to stay here too, so I might as well perform for these guys. But it's interesting to see how you can make it work. And as you had noted, like the, the chase to catch Philly is kind of fleeting a little bit. You're maintaining distance with New York and Brooklyn, which is helpful. I think that game against New York is going to be very important coming up on the docket as well too. But and also the two games against Brooklyn next week as well. But the fact that you're able to kind of create this gap and also maybe find ways to get guys more comfortable come playoff time, it's an odd, rather unique situation to be in if you're Cleveland. And I think it's kind of fun to watch this unfold, but Lavert's just been, he's been a stud for as of late for Cleveland. And I have been more than willing now to say, dude, I'm going to eat crow and I'm warming up to the idea of the Cavs keeping him around, not just as a trade chip, but as a guy who can be a contributor for a possible playoff or not a possible playoff team and a possible contender. Yeah, my, my biggest thing with Karis Levert is like the bind that the team was in looking at the trade deadline. And, and we had talked about this before it happened was mm-hmm. Karis is somebody that makes sense off the bench if you have shooting, right? Like I, I think if you have shooting and if you have a pick and roll big man that's making use of his playmaking skills and the fact that he is a very good pick and roll ball handler. But at the same time, he was probably your cleanest path to adding a shooter at the trade deadline, right? Like he was going to be that guy that had the most mm-hmm. value. But if you can get into the offseason where, you know, you're, you're adding a shooter with the mid-level exception, you have Dean Wade recovered after an offseason, kind of getting back yeah. to the shooting form that you'd hope. Uh, maybe Danny Green's back and he looks better after year two ACL. You have a decision to make with Jetty Osmond and his contract, uh, wh- whether you're opting in or not. Um, and potentially you could use that as a trade chip as well, right? Um, so yeah. if you're bringing in multiple shooters and you're getting improvements, right? From Dean Wade getting healthier, Isaac Coral continuing to improve as a shooter. There's a world where Karis LeVert as a bench ball handler does make a lot of sense, right? And you're going to have to make some decisions with Ricky Rubio there as well in in terms of whose minutes you prioritize. But Mm -hmm. um, it's tough because I've I've been a Karis defender and supporter. I I wanted them to bring him in uh, prior to the trade deadline. It has been an awkward fit, but I I think it's an awkward fit because of other team needs. And when you're in a salary cap sport, right? Like you have to make really, really tough decisions and evaluations in these spots. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um we can talk more about this in the next segment. So we got to hit pause real quick to give a quick word from today's other sponsor as I pull up the overlay. Wrong one. <laughs> there we go. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by FanDuel. The end of the NBA regular season is here, and now is the perfect time to download Fan is to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 if you join today, and that includes bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can start and bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. A bet I like, and I know that Chris likes too because he mentions it all the time, is building parlays of 20-plus point scores, and that's a fun way to pick through different matchups. And with the playoffs coming... I love the Nuggets at plus 800. That's a team that's fully capable of going off and winning it all, and you can get that at 8-1 to one right now. FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the action and chance to get in on with your no-sweat first bonus up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel 
the official sports betting partner of the NBA and the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, folks, I am back with Justin Rowan again. Justin, let's talk a little bit more about Karis LeVert because I think I agree with you and there is an actuality and reality. Like I understand the angst and disappointment of not prioritizing shooting, but the Cavs are making it work for the most part. They are the, one of the top teams in net rating. I believe they are the top team in net rating, especially in the fourth quarter, as you had mentioned. And mm-hmm. a lot of credit goes to J.P. Vickerstaff for making a lot of odd pieces function and flow together, especially when a lot of them aren't defensive first pieces. Sure, having Mobley and Allen and Okoro helps a lot with this metric, but I agree. Like If you kind of make Karis LeVert like your bigger body guard that's coming off the bench as your primary ball handler, I'm not saying like James Harden like role but maybe like that six-man thunder role that Harden had we're like okay Karis we want you to soak up a lot of opportunities with shots but also we have enough trust in your vision and playmaking to get some of these shooters some clean looks and if Levert continues to be comfortable in this role I think this does shift the notion a lot for the offseason coming up where you can obviously prioritize some quality big man depth behind Allen and Mobley just to not overtax them as much but also find some shooting just to make life easier for everybody else on the roster, just because it's a, it's a premium commodity in the NBA. And I think it makes sense for the Cavs and maybe not to blow through some of their assets at the deadline, just so they can keep the powder clean when this offseason rolls around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the great irony of all this is uh, that six man role you're describing is exactly what a lot of people had with Colin Sexton uh, for oh, a very yeah. long time. Right. That, that, you know, Hey, he's actually a pretty decent pick and roll ball handler. He, he can provide that supplemental playmaking. Uh, uh, coming in off the bench allows him to have more time with the ball in his hands, which makes him the most comfortable, right? Like all of that makes sense. And again, it's, I think shooting should be the priority. Um, funny yeah. enough, Karis Silver does have the best three point percentage out of anybody on the Cavs uh, coming in off the bench. Uh, the only person that's close to him is Dean Wade, and Dean Wade's shot 30% from three since he's come back from his injury, right? So mm-hmm. um, he's basically it when it, when it comes to above-league above average three-point shooting, and he's taken over four or a game. I think we all would have been happy with those numbers yeah. coming into the year, right? So, um, yeah, the, the level of buy-in that he's had all year, I've been really impressed with. If yeah. there's other avenues to add shooting, I would love that because I, I do think, like, in terms of bench producers, he's a luxury. Like, not yeah. a lot of teams have someone as talented as Karis LeVert coming in off their bench. And it, it's funny, I, I was having a, a Twitter discussion recently about Kelly Oubre, right? And mm-hmm. um, people were pining for him, who, I mean, he's horrifically inefficient this year. His numbers are worse than Karis's numbers were uh, last year in Indiana. And I think it's just one of those reminders, right, where... If you give someone enough touches, they they can get comfortable and they can find a rhythm. But getting those stats to translate to a winning team, a winning situation, a reduced Mm -hmm. role, that's always something that's going to require some time. There's going to be growing pains. And some players can't make that transition. So for Karras to do all the team basketball things that we wanted from him, that's great. Like That's part of why a lot of the lineup numbers with him have been so good. It's mm-hmm. just him finding his groove as a scorer. And um, there's really not a whole lot more to learn about the regular season. Um, like no. at the start of last year or last week, I should say, I was talking about, oh, you know, Knicks are breathing down their throats. This is going to be a really tough race. Well, the Knicks have struggled since then. Uh, the, Jalen Brunson's out missing time. 
and their recent losses while the Cavs have gone mm -hmm. um like got multiple wins on this road trip that has changed the calculus and Mm -hmm. There's a very good chance that the race for the four seed is over by the time the Cavs and Knicks play, right? So, yeah, um, it, Cavs maintaining their focus, uh, if that is in fact the case, is going to be important, and trying to use this time in a constructive manner, I, I think, is mm -hmm. really important as well. And I, I agree with you. I don't think there's much, if anything, that we need to learn more about this Cavs team or pretty much any team in the NBA at this point, just because a lot of teams are just shifting their focus to the playoffs, whether they want to admit it or not. But in terms of just maybe final lessons we could pull from this Cavs team, do you have a lot of weight on Wednesday's game against Philly? Or do you just kind of think like, eh, if they show up, that's great. If not, it's not going to really mess things up in the grand scheme of things, because especially Again, they do play the Hornets on Tuesday night. Like, if they're able to get that win against Charlotte in their back pocket, like, this game against Philly maybe doesn't carry as much weight in the race for the fourth seed. Yeah, it, yeah, it only carries weight for the race for the three seed, in my opinion. And yeah. It's so not those great... odds feel slim for the three seed still. They they do. I, I think, you know, if the Cavs win that game and go, like, nine and three down the stretch, right? So that would be including the, the two wins. I guess seven and three after the two wins against Philly and Charlotte in this hypothetical. I think Philly only has to go like eight and seven to still get yeah. the three seed, right? Like it's not going to be easy and they do have a very tough schedule. So I'm I'm not going to take a lot from it. And the other reason why I'm not going to take a lot from it is there's not a lot of paths to the Cavs playing the Sixers in the playoffs. There's not a whole lot you can learn about that matchup uh, unless they're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at that point, it's gravy season. Like, I, I don't care, right? Like, yeah. if we, we lose to them, we playing, lose to You're them. playing with house money if you're playing the Sixers in the conference, any team in the Conference Finals, really. Right, and, and things would have gone pretty damn wild. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Uh, um, that that would be a great scenario, but no, I'm, I'm not taking a whole lot from it. But we should also, just because it is a rest-disadvantage game, it's worth noting we've been in Charlotte the whole time here. So there isn't travel in, in between these games that mm -hmm. helps. Charlotte was on the second night of a back-to-back -back against the Cavs. Of course they were home for the the back-to-back, -back, but it goes to show, right? Like you can still hit shots. You can still have a good game. Uh, even though you're on a back-to-back -back. and Cavs have won some of these scheduled disadvantage games as well. Right. Yeah. So if they come out and they play well at home and they, they get a win there, I, I think that that would be significant. It, raises the ceiling of what this regular season achievement can be. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it's not going to change how I think about how the Cavs match up against Philly in a series. Yeah. It doesn't change a, a whole lot e in either direction. It's I'm doing a terrible job selling it, but it's, oh, no, I think it's, you're, it's, it's just it's, like, it's the it's last a game. of the weird regular season games, right? Yeah. It's, it's the last back to back of the year. So uh, yeah. I'm just happy that that, stretch of the year yeah. is over i i wholeheartedly agree like i think it's gonna be a fun competitive game no matter what like i think the basketball fan in me is gonna have a until harden and b do harden and b things but for the, <laughs> for the for the pure optics standpoint like this is a very talent two very talented teams going blow for blow with each other like the cast trying to prove they belong and the six is trying to prove that they belong in like the title conversation of course but like that aspect of it's gonna be fun but like you said there's not really a clear path unless something just incredible happens where philly just ascends but like unless it's the conference finals and it's cav sixers like you said and i agree with you it's house money at that point like cleveland didn't expect to go that far i would assume like i obviously as any team entering the playoffs your goal is to win the championship no matter what and you hope to fight and put out a fight every step of the way but 
yeah, you're just playing with house money at that point. It's just a learning experience. And like, you just throw it up and see how it goes. And looking at how things went, Cleveland went three and one against Boston this year. They went two and two against Milwaukee this season. Like those are the likely paths that you have to go through to get to the Eastern conference finals. And like, those are a little bit more intriguing to me. And I think those are like, there's not a lot of stock. Obviously you can take from regular season games. Like you can find glimpses and pieces and maybe piece it together and like try and somehow find something that works. Uh, similar to like Charlie Kelly piecing together all the uh, newspaper clips in that situation. <laughs> but other than that, like I, I, I hope to enjoy this game. Like I'll be there covering it in person like I tend to do. And it'll be it'll be fun to see just the optics of it, because like I know like it's just fun. And I know like we're both maybe underselling the significance of this game. But again, if the Cavs take care of business against Charlotte on Tuesday night, they are coming in a little less stressed in the grand scheme of things like, yeah, sure. The three seed could be within grasp, but as Justin noted, Philly can go eight and seven. Like that's a lot of opportunity for mistakes and a lot of, that's a pretty large margin for error as well. Philly. So like they could kind of muck things up and still find a way to squeak in three seed and maybe Cleveland gives himself a puncher's chance. But it, again, just feels more and more likely they're locked into four. And I'm very intrigued about when they play the nets next week. And then when they play New York after that, to kind of close out the season. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you get the win against the Hornets, you can go five and six the rest of the way, and the Knicks would have to go nine and three, including beating the Cavs yeah. past them, right? Like, yeah, and, and the Cavs play like six more teams that that aren't in the playoff or play-in picture, right? So it's yeah. there's a lot of margin for error for the Cavs as well, right? And it's, oh yeah, it, that's going to be something that I'm I'm sure the players are aware of, right? Like it's. March is kind of that time where it's it's a very difficult month that to have any real takeaways and um, yeah you, you hope that they can get up for the matchup you hope that Jared Allen can play against Embiid I'm going to take even less from that matchup if Jared Allen's not playing um, but you know to this point the Cavs have actually held Embiid to his lowest points per game against any team so uh, some of that was Diakite in the first matchup and no Harden or or, or Maxi so that they were able to kind of cheat over on him. But even mm-hmm. the game against Jared Allen, like uh, people were, were talking about how he killed them, but he had 29 points on 40% shooting, right? Like it's jo- the the standard of what quote unquote stopping Joel Embiid is like there, there is no stopping him. It, it's you're mm-hmm. going to be Charlie Kelly uh, trying to figure out who Pepe Silvia is, right? Like there, there is no Joel Embiid stopper. We know that we're, we, we shouldn't be corny and try to do what Raptors fans did uh, with the LeBron stoppers. I was going to say, years. like, the, 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 the LeBron Carroll. stoppers doesn't exist. Like, PJ Tucker, Damari Carroll. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it's, he's an MVP caliber player and probably mm-hmm. actually has a really good shot now that uh, Jokic is sliding a little bit and the Nuggets don't seem as special. So, um, that's, it's going to be a tough matchup. But for me, like, I just want to see the Cavs take care of business from here on out. Yeah. Like they, they got a good statement win in Miami. Um, got a win here against Charlotte. If you win this other game and you go three and one on this road trip, I'm pretty happy with that. And oh, yeah. they don't have to do anything spectacular from here on out to, to maintain the four seed. No, no, you and I are in absolute agreement. It's going to be a fun game either way. Chris will be back for that one to talk with me about it, but. Justin, before we head out of here, tell everyone where they can find you. I'm sure they listen to the chase down after they listen to the locked on Cavs or whichever order. You know, if you listen to this show, we thank you for us being your first listen. But Justin, tell them what you got going on, man. Tell them, tell them about uh, your bout of insanity with film break. 
<laughs> yeah, if you want a second listen, uh, I'll, I'll take Chris's role there. Um, we're, we're going live, Chase Down Podcast uh, tonight. It'll be up in, in the feeds whenever you're listening to this. Carter Rodriguez makes his return, and I'm going to share my theory about some of the uh, corner three-point shooting numbers uh, that the Cavs have given up this year in, and one lineup in particular where that seems to occur. So uh, I, I still think luck is a big factor in this. There's a lot mm-hmm. of noise still. There's always noise in three-point shooting. I, I think Chris pointed that out recently as well. Um, but I <laughs> I did go a little insane, as Evan alluded to, and I've watched every made three against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, since January 1st. Uh, or at, at least, I, I shouldn't say every, but... I looked at the above average shooting games that teams had and, wow. and looked at those. Still, that's a lot of film breakdown and credit or credits too. So yeah, make the chase down your second listen. If you're happy to listen to this first, if we're your second listen, that's okay. But for your third listen in this instance, make your third listen today, game to game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Fall game to game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. More than likely, the same spot you got Locked On Cavs. <laughs>